Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome everybody. Today, uh, we have the awesome privilege of, of being with Diana Peterson. She's a current Lemmy trainer and she's been with us, oh gosh, a long time. I kind of feel like I'm saying that a lot, but really Diana has been with us for a while. She's an absolutely amazing mentor. I love working with her. Can you take a little bit and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, yep, I'm Diana Peterson. I have been a Lemmy trainer for, I think, seven years. I have to go back and recount. It seems like every year. I don't know why I can't remember. But anyway, and I've loved every minute of it. It's been so much fun. I love the philosophy behind it. I love the projects. There's just so much good stuff in it. So I've been a Quest trainer. I'm a Quest trainer. I'm also the Sort of Freedom and Hero Project trainer. I've also taught, you know, Key of Liberty, obviously Sort of Freedom Hero Project, Pyramid Project. I tried to do a, what's the second piece of the Shakespeare? <laughs> they do the second year Shakespeare or the third year. Um, uh, classical acting, I think. Classical acting. We did kind of a version of that as well that I was involved in. And I've taught ballroom dance with our organization, past Commonwealths. And I think that's about it. So I have five children. They range from the ages of 32 down to 22. Two are married. We have four grandchildren, and I've seen great success with, especially my three oldest daughters. I had three girls first, and then two boys, um, with uh, with the projects. It was just been so much fun to see their growth. I saw it, of course, with my boys as well. They did not take Quest, which I'm kind of sad about. <laughs> well, my three girls did, and I feel like Quest is such a growing opportunity, one of the biggest growing opportunities that uh, one of the projects that Lemmy has. Um, so I feel like so much of this podcast is going to be a sales pitch for Quest because that's what everybody seems to say. Oh, it's not funny, yeah. <laughs> so you are our one of our Quest trainers. Can you tell us what is it about that project that you love so much? I feel like the tough the toughness of the course equals the growth that a person has. So there's a lot of reading, a ton of reading. There's a ton of writing. And then we have some amazing, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the um, <laughs> the activities? What are they called? Oh, gosh. Simulations. Um, the simulations. Yeah. The simulations. Yeah. So it's and because it's a very intense course. It's a three-semester course. Some people, sometimes it's drawn out into, you know, three and a half semesters or four semesters. So it's a long, intensive course. And there's just the amount of growth and the learning that takes place is just amazing. And you're studying great leaders from the past. And so you're getting to see a, a bit of history outside of the United States and with different people, which is incredible. How do you feel like Quest has benefited you like individually? It has grown my education so much. And I never used to like history at all. I hated it in high school, hated it. And I have a hard time school. believing that. Like, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and my husband loves American history. So, you know, I know we're talking about Quest a lot, but Key of Liberty gave me a love of American history. And it, because um, you're reading the real things, you're not reading the textbooks versions, which, you know, 
kind of, you know, minimize things or weaken things and water down things. So I love history now. And I've gained a love of all these people that we've studied, like Gandhi, oh my goodness, Martin Luther King Jr., the things that they were able to accomplish with their, you know, their quiet method of trying to make change. They made huge change and they did it without a revolution, without, you know, without guns and stuff. So it's, it was a great learning opportunity for me. I do have a degree. I have a degree from Brigham Young University in fashion merchandising. Never planned to use it when I got out. So that was kind of silly. So I'm glad I was able to get an education through Lemmy. Diana, <laughs> so I do I, things backwards. <laughs> yeah. Diana, well, first of all, it's so funny that you have you know fashion merchandising degree because I also have a fashion merchandising degree. <laughs> nice, because yeah, you do some yeah I, I stuff and whatnot right yeah i i don't use it much anymore other than the fact that you know completing it was it was a big thing and yes. then um but i totally agree with you on that history and i really feel like the lemmy projects it's not just history it's really it's so much more it's not the knowledge it's the the vision mission ability skills that we add to that history that make it just come alive. Yes. That's I'm true. still I'm still really struggling here because in my mind, you've always been like well very well educated in history and super passionate and like know so much. So to me, it's for like to hear that that wasn't something you loved or like knew before Lemmy to me is like, wait, what? That is like <laughs> How is well, that possible? <laughs> and if you'd seen my first year mentoring Key of Liberty, I think you would get a view of, <laughs> you know, I love the philosophy of Lemmy, the example. One is one of the key things that we want to, you know, our children, the children, our children and our students learn by is our example as a mentor. And so I love how Lemmy teaches, you know, the, or encourages us to be even only one page ahead of our students. Yeah, it's very true. But I still think like it's hard for me to to not think of you like always being a scholar of history just because I I'm always like amazed by how much you do know. So like I'm still like, wait, this is how did I not know this about you? <laughs> like, well, that like... warms my heart hearing that from you, Tatiana. <laughs> yeah, with the, the traditional school system, I mean, I remember in school, okay, one year I I we learned about China. And the next year we learned about some part of US history. And then the next year it was world history. And it was like jumping all around and it didn't make any sense. And it was it was awful. I mean, one of the reasons I started homeschooling was because I wanted to learn history and I didn't want my kids to learn history the way I had. It was just, it was a mess. I, yeah. I didn't like it. So I, I totally get it, Diana. Yeah. And I, there's a public school teacher friend of mine, and she says it's worse now. The history that they learn is even worse now, starting with third grade. So this is so important what we're doing. So important. So do you have a favorite um, quest? Uh, I know in quest one, they go through the virtues or the, the, the traits of a statesman. Do you have like a favorite one? A favorite trait? Yeah. Uh, I think... Virtue and courage are my favorite traits. Well, no, moving the cause of liberty. It's hard to pick one. They're so they're so good and foundational, right? Because some of these things lead to the moving the cause of liberty. But I feel like that's kind of where my passion is, is searching out the people and seeing the people who've moved the cause of liberty. 
and then doing what I can today to move the cause of liberty. So probably that one would be the best. Because there's big and small ways to do it. Yeah, I was just I was just wondering because I was thinking about like I mean I went through Quest when I was I guess fourteen, and um, I remember going through these character traits and just being like, oh, this is what everybody learns, you know, just because my own little worldview. And then um, I remember I was a lot older realizing, wait, public virtue or private virtue is not something people even understand or know exists. And to me, that was really like mind blowing to be like. Wait, how how can you act and not act virtuously? Like, <laughs> um, right? And, yes. And so I like I was just curious to see. You know, have you seen as you've mentored kids through these different character traits, um, any change in their personal character? I, I would say yes. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've mentored Quest. But I know in my own children, I thought I I've, I definitely have seen some growth in their character. And I feel like they've gone out to help people. Like one daughter went to China to teach at her own expense, pretty much to go and teach English to the Chinese. Now, of course, yes, she loves to travel, but she took the time to go do that and put forth some effort in trying to teach, you know, the Chinese people English. And I had another daughter who went on a mission for our church and she went, you know, and that's a sacrifice for 18 months and that's non-paid. And she was, you know, teaching about Jesus Christ in Ukraine in the Russian language. So I think it's huge on how it's helped my children. I've definitely seen it in my children where they go out and serve and they're going out and willing to serve. And they've got something, they've learned about something bigger beyond themselves. So I think that's awesome. And I have definitely seen it in some of my other students as well. I think that seeing beyond themselves, I mean, that is, that's huge. I mean, at that age... They are so naturally self-centered because they're trying to find themselves, but Quest helps them see outside of themselves and see these other people who thought outside of themselves and can use these people as examples. I love that. Yes. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, let's back up a little bit. I'm really interested to know, you know, how did you start homeschooling? You know, why, why did you start homeschooling and how did you find Lemmy too? I want to know that. Okay. So my story starts with my daughter who, my oldest daughter was, I think in sixth grade at the time. And I had a friend who was homeschooling, but I thought what she was doing was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, then I started reading some books about homeschooling, just some general books from the library. It's like, oh, maybe there is something to this. Um, and then one year we thought we were moving to Michigan and my kids said they wanted to be homeschooled. It's like, no, I will never homeschool because you guys won't listen to me. <laughs> so then it comes along, we, we end up moving to San Diego from Roseville, California, Northern California. And I was very, because I had, you know, read those books and talked to my friend. And then my daughter had an experience. We had put her in, our kids went into, we moved in September our children went into school. We like gave them a choice, you know, because I was going to pull them out and we gave them a choice. They wanted to go to school for the six weeks or whatever. So I had three girls. My three girl daughters went into school. My oldest, I think, was in sixth grade. And one day she came home with a paper saying that she had not completed an assignment and she and it was only to bring in magazines for an assignment. So she's supposed to bring magazines from home to complete an assignment. I don't remember what the assignment was, but the problem was 
And she was like a gate student, which means that she was, you know, advanced, she's intelligent, she was a good student, and she was, you know, went into some extra things. And this one teacher says, well, she didn't complete her assignment on time, so now she has to fill out this, this piece of paper that came home had like 10 to 15 things that she had to fill out. Why didn't you complete your assignment? What are some, what are you like 10 steps you're gonna do next time to complete your assignment? All of this stuff, I was livid. I wrote a nasty note back to that teacher because that was not my daughter. This did, had no bearing. This had nothing to do with her. It was, I mean, the assignment was only bringing in magazines. Maybe she didn't understand the due date or whatever. It wasn't like a writing assignment. It wasn't a reading assignment. And so it's like, okay, I know why I'm homeschooling now. So, um, so that was kind of why I wanted to homeschool. And then when we moved to San Diego area, my mother-in-law lived down there and she gave me a name of somebody who was homeschooling. And so we, I called them up before we got down there and I called them, you know, and made contact with them and found out what they, they met for their community and stuff like that. And so then we joined a community of homeschoolers down there and they were just, they had, you know, broken down the kids into different ages. And I think my boys enjoyed it. And I knew that I was going to need some help, obviously, <laughs> never having done anything of this like before. Um, so that's kind of how we found the group. And then from that group, a couple years later, Maybe, no, it was like six months into it, we were going to read a Thomas Jefferson education book that talked about leadership education. And as I was reading that book, it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> that there's a phrase about, you know, once you're given something, you know, you kind of need to act on it or something, right? And it's like, oh, no, I have this information. Maybe I shouldn't have read the book. I do have some bouts of laziness about me. So <laughs> it's like, oh, no, if I read this book, I'm going to have to do this stuff. So it was it was exciting learning that stuff and then we did the face-to-face -face with greatness seminars and then we started adopting that philosophy and i know a couple of people from our our community school went up to one of the let me trainers trainings in utah i love how you said that i'm like i wish i could un unread unread what i read <laughs> <laughs> then i'm gonna have to do something now because i yeah. know something <laughs> yeah when you read something and it hit me it's like oh no and I didn't understand quite how to implement it so it was great to be able to find a community to help us to put it together that's amazing so what was the first project you, you ended up teaching it was key of liberty so I was gonna do I was trying to do Shakespeare because it was supposed to be more fun <laughs> And then we already had Kathy Malore and Levon, I think, signed up for those trainings. And so then it's like, okay, I guess I'll do Key of Liberty, which I think my husband was very excited about because he was passionate about American history, but I hadn't really known that yet. Um, and so I think you were my trainer the first time I was there in Key of Liberty. I do remember, yeah, was that in Southern, that was in Southern California, right? Uh, we came up to Utah oh, came up to that Utah? year. Yeah, we did the ropes course, I think, and you and, well, I don't remember who the other trainers were, but anyway, um, you were one of the first trainers, and I was, yeah, I was totally clueless when I came to training. Totally clueless. <laughs> I feel like that's how um, mostly everybody comes to training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably My poor so. friend went to training this year. She's like, it was like a fire hose for three straight days. <laughs> <clears throat> yep yeah I've I have found that it really wasn't until my third training that things started to sink in and um, it's interesting I was uh, listening to one of the classic calls and um, Anelody was talking about this woman who was who kept coming back to just this one 
scholarship ladders um, training that she gave. And the woman told her that, well, the first time, you know, I didn't quite get it. You know, the second time, you know, I understood it better. The third time, you know, I, I really understood it. I, it's in my in my head. But the fourth time I need to come back. So it's in my heart. Ooh. And I really I really feel like that is is such you know that's what Lemmy is you just you continue to get it you you keep coming to the trainings and I know for me you know once it got into my heart it really yeah it just it stuck there I couldn't do anything else yes that's a good way to describe it and it's yeah you need to keep going back for the layers you know sometimes yeah. people don't understand that but it yeah it layers up that's so true or layers in or down <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think like so sad because so few mentors get the experience of actually being able to mentor Quest, which I feel like is like where you get your like the final layers. <laughs> mm. I've actually never mentored Quest. I've been through it, but I've never had the opportunity to mentor. Oh. I'm always training Key of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun. You'll get to do it. You'll get to do it one day. Well, be awesome. Tati, your oldest child is only like 10 right yeah yeah so i mean and you're just starting a, your own community it'll it'll come it's wait yeah. it'll be there yeah and it, it's interesting i am getting more and more um people uh mentors who are going through training who actually have gone through lemmy i think that is so exciting so that's that's really cool Well, do you have any story about any scholar that was really impacted by Key of Liberty or or any other training? I mean, I know you talked about your your kids, but was there any uh, scholar other than your kids that you were dealing with? I know sometimes, um, I know I had one uh, who was really difficult but I was able to work with them do you have any like that in your um story? I the, the one there was a young man that you know he didn't seem to be thrilled about sometimes our classes and what we were doing and he was working with a charter school and I don't know which one and you know in the San Diego area and I remember that he went through Cube Liberty and sort of freedom we didn't have hero project back in that day and then I was trying to do a kind of a classic, we called it a classic thing where we were reading some more classics and it wasn't like a, a time period, it was just some different classics and we were just trying to have some fun with vocabulary and, and doing some creative writing and stuff like this. And I remember hearing from either his mom, probably his mom, that said that his teacher, you know, or the, the um, person from the, the coordinated person from his charter school was loving what he was getting and doing. So I felt like that impacted him in a huge way because he was actually participating, right? Even though he wasn't super maybe thrilled about the class, but he was participating and in, enjoying it. And he, the, the coordinator person from the ch charter school could see that. Yeah, no, it's, it's neat. The, the, the papers that these kids write, it's more than just, you know, something out of a book. It's, asking for their opinions and that can be so impactful 
So they start with these opinion papers and then by quest, they're writing more. Mm -hmm. um, what, how are these, this writing going through this cycle, the writing cycle that we talk about in Lemmy, um, have you seen any kids, you know, even your own kids? I mean, how has it impacted them? I think it's impacted them in huge ways. So my, my oldest was a pretty decent writer to begin with because she'd gone through some public school stuff and had been, you know, taught the formal writing papers and things like that. And one of the things that she came to love was freedom as well and have a passion for our constitution and the history of our country. Then I had a young, my younger, my oldest son. Um, so I taught him to write and, you know, those first few opinion papers were like, you know, one sentence, mm -hmm. maybe two. <laughs> And then it was fun to read, see him. He, I think he went through at least the first semester of Quest and to see him expand working with a writing mentor. And a lot of sometimes those papers, when we were encouraging them as a, as, a, as a parent to write more than one, I would, you know, he would, we would do the narrating part, which is part of the writing cycle. So he would narrate to me and I would type them up on the computer. And then, um, you know, as we go through each different stage, you know, you, you ask a little bit more of them. And so sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, tell me more. You know, one, one sentence is no longer enough. <laughs> you can give me two or three or four, right? <laughs> and so that was fun to see him grow through that. And he was, I know he turned in a paper in Quest once and I was like, what? You wrote that? Wait a minute, huh? That was awesome. <laughs> so, you know, when you read about, I think it's because we're learning about real people, real life, you know, I think it makes a huge a huge difference because they're going to be more interested we're not just asking them to regurgitate something from a textbook you know it's like it's personal it's like what is this what does it mean to you you know and how would you answer this prompt what does it mean to you it's like we don't expect anything you know we don't have an expectation from them of what the answer is we're not looking for a right answer we're looking for what how it you know touches them and how it affects them I love that you bring that up because my nephew's he's going to school right now and he's like this has no bearing on anything that has to do with real life. <laughs> I was just funny talking listen to talk about that because it's true it's like so much of um, the way we've compartmentalized education has made it to be it's like okay we need to teach them this skill let's detach it from reality and teach them this skill in an abstract weird way that has nothing to do with reality well it's like okay yes. but then how do you get them when they have to be in reality like <laughs> you know in a few short years they're yeah. going to be in reality so how There's are you going to translate the skill into disconnect. reality yeah. yeah and so i love that you bring that up it's like we're not asking them to you know like do things that um are trivial stupid things we're asking them to to engage with like the, the reality the reality of 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 everyday life you know a lot of the papers have to do with like we just recently i taught um merchant of venice and shakespeare and you know like what is mercy like <laughs> that seems like a stupid question to ask a kid but it really has a lot to do with reality it has a lot to do with yes. like how do i forgive my sister when she destroys my things on accident or how do i you know how do i forgive my parents when i feel like they they don't hold a place for me when i want to be vulnerable and share with them you know it's like there's so many things that that can pertain to and it's so liberating to be like let's make education about life let's not make it about 
this check in a you know check this box like i feel really bad for my nephew because he doesn't have any other educational options right now but he, like, oh man he's so, he's so smart he's such a deep thinker and he's just like why do i have to do this <laughs> And that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, for sure. You know, I had a, that kind of reminded me of a couple of things. So one thing was I had a daughter who went through Quest and finished it. She was only 16 or, or 17. So she had like a year left. And because we were working with a charter school, she wanted to do this one like online thing or this one. She wanted to go and do this one thing. And she, one of her classes that she had to take was grammar. She brought home a book, I swear, like 300 pages long on grammar. And I'm thinking... That's how you get people to not to love writing. You know, I, that was crazy. She's trying to, um, she's trying to get me to help her with this grammar. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you've got all these 50,000 rules or whatever. You know, that's not an exaggeration. I don't think even. <laughs> and, 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 and it was crazy. It was crazy. It was insane. Yeah. And the best investment. Okay. Everybody listening to this, go to Grammarly.com. Okay, I'm not getting paid for this, but that is any kid who is in Quest, get onto Grammarly.com. It's worth it. Get the paid version. Oh my gosh. Yes. Good to know. Yeah, it was crazy. Talking about a textbook on grammar. Yeah, dry as bone. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who would ever want to write with all those rules? It was just insane. Okay, speaking of Grammarly, I had it on my computer and I was looking at... Um, Winston Churchill's speech, uh, never, never give in, right? Mm. And I had it on my computer, so it pulls up that it's incorrect on Grammarly. And I was like, why is this incorrect? It's like a famous speech. Like, it should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the nice, it was really cool because I, I started thinking more into it. And I was like, okay, wait, so it's telling me, it's telling me that there's too many, um, what is never what what in grammar is that it's not a, it's not a verb it's a is it never is like an ex, it's like a command so what's what's that called like never never it's basically telling me there's too many uh, commands in a row right you can't have this many verbs in a row and i'm like well how come he's breaking these rules you know <laughs> and it was cool epiphany for me to be like you know these rules are are powerful because they definitely help us communicate like you know if people need to understand what i'm saying and these rules help me communicate but also when i break the rules it can also help me communicate really effectively and so yes. then i went to go through it like the rest of the 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 top the speech and i was like wow there's a lot of places where he breaks the rules he drops sentences has incomplete sentences like and um and then i listened to it and i was like it's because what he's trying to say doesn't necessarily fit inside the rules and it was a cool epiphany for me to like realize that the reason why we study you know speeches and we study documents in the way we do them in Lemmy with the tutorials or not tutorials what document studies is to help the kids understand the purpose of grammar like why is there a comma and what does it do and and how can i use commas to you know effectively help people read my what i'm trying to convey and so I just think it's it was a cool epiphany for me to to see 
I'm speaking about Grammarly. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I mean, we hear, it seems like we've heard somewhere, it's like, learn the rules and then break them, you know, but break them intentionally and for a purpose. And it sounds like Winston Churchill did that, you know, to make a point, to emphasize different things. So interesting. That's cool. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using, because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. Yeah, that is really cool. I love that. Um, I think, though, that with the kids, if we put those rules, if we put that two-inch textbook in front of them, just about grammar, I mean, who would ever want to write ever if they have to, if the only way they can is to get through all of those rules and think about those rules when they're writing instead of just writing. And, um, but yeah, but those, 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 you know, document studies of all of these, this great writing, these great speeches, these classic books that we have them them read, they're all examples of that influence that you can have on people in different ways. And that communication that, um, that we're trying to share, you know, as a skill, as an ability to, you know, with these, um, with these kids, with these scholars, I think it's awesome. Uh, just, uh, just another side note about writing, because I've, um, recently my, uh, my niece and I were going through some family, personal family writings, but my great grandfather had written his life story in and um, we were reading it. And when they were first married, they lived in a tent behind a store that he operated in a Canyon up in the mountain. And in the middle of the night, she was, she just had one baby. The tent caught on fire and burnt down so they're like in the middle of the night like homeless and she has like a two three month old baby right and this is just the beginning of my grandfather's story like so i sat down and i read this with my niece and she was like wait what is this like this was my grandfather's story and in there he recounts how you know his his father died during world war one because of um the Spanish flu and like all these things that she just didn't know anything that was happening. Right. And it made me really think about like so much of the things that we tell people, Oh, you need to learn to write so that you can, you know, get a job or so you can write a resume or so you can do these things. It's like, no, you need to learn to write. So your great, great granddaughter can sit down, read your story and be totally transformed by what she reads there. That's why you need to learn to write. Like, and um, I think with like so much emphasis putting like his story, in my opinion, isn't like it's his story. It's her story. There's so much power in the individual story. And I feel like with the way we teach people to write in Lemmy, that's what we're asking for. We're asking you to start with your story. What is your opinion on uh, capital punishment? Is it good or not? Like <laughs> some of those questions in Cuba can be kind of intense looking back <laughs> thinking, why did, that's an intense question to ask kids, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and to add on to your point, it's, it is so important to be able to read your grandfather's, your grandparent's story, 
So I want to put a plug in for cursive. We're going to have a huge generation gap if our children can't read and write cursive. So I've got a couple of boys that struggle with it. And it's like, okay, I know you're an adult, but you really need to learn cursive so that you can read it. So much is going to be lost if, if they don't. So anyway, that was a side plug. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I actually taught my twins when I first started homeschooling. I taught them how to do cursive first. And smart. That is so smart. Why do you need to learn to print? Go straight to cursive. <laughs> yeah. Well, one uh, both of them were are um, more artistic, I feel like. But uh, yeah, the others didn't quite catch it as well. <laughs> but but I, I kind of sold it to my youngest as, okay, um, this is a, a secret code. You need to, <laughs> to write. Love it. Love it. Why not? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, one of the things I know you are very active, you're, um, you know, like the lead mentor in, um, in Sword and Hero and, you know, talking about, you know, his story and her story that's really instrumental in what we do. I mean, it's, it's a key factor in what we do in Hero Project for sure is, is um, we are looking at these people's lives and going to the actual individual as the classic that we use for studying. Um, you know, do you have any, any stories? I mean, why is that impactful for you? Why do you feel that's impactful? I feel like learning about the people makes a person real and that makes the the whole thing come alive because they're not obviously a person just doesn't you know stay at home <laughs> we wouldn't be reading about a person that just stays at home right they're out there interacting they're out there doing different things and you can see them go through struggles you can see them you know question things that are going on in the in you know in the environment and they're in their world at that time and so learning about the people, I am loving reading biographies during, you know, the Civil War time period or the um, the Hero Project, the World War II time period. I'm, I started a book on Raoul Wallenberg just recently, you know, a big, thick biography like this. <laughs> and it just makes the whole, that's how you learn about what was going on at the time. That's how you learn about these people, things that you want to maybe emulate in them. You can learn about things that maybe weren't, you know, not everybody, not anybody is perfect out there. And so they struggle as well. And so you can see things that they struggled through, or maybe you can see some traits that, you know, aren't, you're not that fond of. I know that there was one student in San Diego that when she read about George Washington waking up at four o'clock in the morning, she wanted to start doing that. She wanted to emulate George Washington. And her mother, you know, had to kind of backtrack and tone that down a bit because she wasn't going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and it's a different time period right so four o'clock for George Washington's day is a totally different you know thing than today so learning about the people is huge it's vital you know they were people just like us yet they were able to do, accomplish these great things sometimes in quiet ways sometimes in bigger ways so. I'd like to bring out Rob Wallenberg. Um, I remember, I distinctly remember, I don't remember why I had to do it. I think it was for one a project, not let me, we, I didn't take care of a project. It wasn't available when I was younger, but it was some kind of Lemmy project where we were asked to pick a hero or something, or maybe it was part of Quest, I can't remember. But I I went to my dad and I said, hey, I want. I need to pick somebody to do the presentation on. He's like, oh, how about you check out Rob Wallenberg? 
and of course it, my, I was very blessed. My dad is very well educated. He's always, always self-educated and very, very well read. So I could ask him that question and he'd had an answer. But I remember when I read a book on Ralph Wallingberg, just how much it changed me. Like, I don't think I can ever forget. Like, I think I was 15 years old when I read it. And I was like, here's a man who literally stopped trains and shoved passports into these trains to save these men who had so much guts he would just pull up with his like you know his entourage stop these uh you know marching these jews as they were heading towards the you know to the train depots like you can't take my people leave my people and, and you know just like totally didn't care that he literally his authority was razor thin and he just did these things that were so inspiring to me you know and for me as a young kid being like he nobody really knows him he's not super famous but he existed and he was real it was so transformational to be like look i could do real things and just be who i need to be in the right time and i don't have to be world famous for it you know just be me yeah and it's fun reading about those stories just like I, yeah about ordinary people i read about louis zamperini this past summer amazing amazing man wow wow very cool. So yeah, it's about the people. Yeah, yeah my uh, son is going to be reading about Louis Zambrini for uh, Quest 2 next semester. So oh, fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Are there why do you are... think that people change you? Like, what is it about reading these stories that just make you change? Like, this is just me philosophizing because sometimes I like to do that. But like, I'm just like curious, like, why? Why are we changed by these stories? And maybe yeah, you don't have to have the answer. <laughs> that's a good question. I, I like to see the ordinariness in them because I sometimes I feel so ordinary, right? I'm just one person here with a family living here in Utah in the cold and the snow. And, <laughs> you know, we don't feel like we're doing anything big, right? Sometimes we don't feel like we're doing anything, you know, out of the ordinary. And so it's, it's to me, it's really interesting to you hear about other people who you know, they think they're ordinary. You know, George Washington thought he was ordinary. You know, Louis Zamperini, and until he was like a teenager, he was a crazy guy. <laughs> he was into all sorts of trouble. He was causing all sorts of, you know, problems. Um, but then to see, you know, people turn their lives around or accomplish great, amazing things is just it's like, well, maybe I can do that too. And I want to, I want to be a better person because I'm learning about these people. So that's kind of what it is for me. Or like, I really like that. It's like, it, we, we see ourselves almost like, look, I, I'm, I'm not something that's super like amazing. I don't have all my I's dotted and my T's crossed and neither did they. <laughs> yes. Louis yeah. Zamperini was a mess, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and, and then he also to just see how he gets through such hard things. Like, I feel like sometimes you know, my friend will call me and just be like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, you know, going through like a family death or a crisis and they just like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. It's so hard. And then you think about, wait, yes, it is hard and I'm not negating how hard it is, 
but you're not sitting in a raft in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> With sharks around. Sharks around too. And, and hardly any food or water. Oh my and gosh. And then your rescue comes in the form of an enemy. I mean, like, yep. <laughs> like yeah. not, I'm not trying to be like, you know, underplay the pain they're experiencing right. by any means because it's, it's not. But it does help us, I feel like, be like, wait, if he suffered so much physically and so much emotionally and mentally and he came out and victorious and he came out and had a life, you know, then what is possible for me? You know, like, how can I uh, become or get through this? Like, I think yes. I really like that. And they make it relatable and real. And so that's why they inspire us because we see ourselves in these people to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's good to be reminded sometimes that people have it worse than you do. It puts your troubles in perspective. Yes, we might be going through hard times, like a you know somebody close may have died and passed away and stuff, um, or you, you know you've got a child who's struggling or something like that, and those those can be really tough in the moment and stuff. But it's 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 a good reminder, to, you know, to see that other people have gone through, I mean, extremely hard physical times. I can't imagine Louis Zamperini and what he did, how he survived in the raft and then got captured by the Japanese and was in the, the camp and thought he was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. So I feel like I'll never have anything as bad as he has. Or if something happens in the future and I do, then I can remember him and look to him. It's like, okay, he kept hope and he kept going through it. So I can too. Yeah. And I feel like all of us at some point will have that experience where you just have to call out to the divine in some extent, you know, mm. whatever that looks yes. like. And, and, the, and that intense journey that he went through to find healing. I feel like so many of us have been are going to go through that if you're not in that phase yet hold on life has just started but <laughs> at right. some point you're going to be like in that pain and needing that finding that that healing and and it's an inspiring to see that process and that's what i love about it's like let's let's expose our children to people who've lived who've who've experienced and the choices they've made let's not expose our, our children to just a textbook let's expose them to reality and yes. people who who made their reality beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of what our quest projects do, or that quest, our, our scholar projects do for our kids is give them those hooks that allow them to say, okay, I got here, I can do this, I can do something a little bit harder. And by having them read these classics, having them read about these real people, it's almost like, you know, their hooks become you know th these people in these books these stories help give those hooks to our kids as well it's like yeah he did that you know louis did that you know martin did that um you know joan of arc did that you know mother Teresa did that i mean all of these it's like okay they did that and i know they were real people maybe i can do that too you know yep i think it's pretty cool I also think it's good to show them like because i'm just while you're talking made me think about how i was training um key of liberty in in 2021 and 20 yeah and i i asked a lot of mentors who had come back and i was like how was teaching key of liberty in 2020 <laughs> and the kids were like we read red scarf girl and the kids were like what is this america or is this china <laughs> you know ah. and then, they were just like floored by the comparison of of how the government had stepped in and, and done these things and and they're like wait okay and i'm not saying 
you know, I'm not trying to be political or anything that way, but it's just, it's so powerful to expose them to, look, this happened here, and could it be happening now here? And yes, it, it has different names, but like, what is freedom and what is oppression in, just the, in the format of a personal story, then they can actually start making those connections so much more powerfully. And um, it's, it's like when you're talking about like they give them those hooks, they also give them the juxtaposition of the reality of those opposites, you know. Yep. <laughs> well, I know, Diana, you have you have done hard things. <laughs> One of the big things that you've done recently is uh, redo the sword and hero binder um what that was a hard thing i know it must have been a hard thing how did you get through that what what was the process that you went through with that <laughs> well if i remember right i started with something easy on that um so some of the things that i saw was you know simple things like formatting a few typos here and there i know that a lot of people were struggling with um some of the there was not a lot of resources to be able to use. And so when I was going to training, I was, you know, bringing out additional resources. So I know kind of at the sort of freedom key liberty level, we only want our lecture time to be like 10 to 15 minutes. And one of the, you know, resources, the Battle Cry of Freedom is an awesome book. It's like 15 pounds if it's a hard copy. <laughs> and it's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. And it's hard to condense all of that into like a 10 minute lecture. Because you're learning really good things. And I remember one of the things that I struggled with was trying to, you know, all this information was so great. And I wanted to just, you know, fire hose it on the kids. Well, that doesn't go over so well. <laughs> so it was great to be able to talk to some other mentors and get some ideas from other people. And um, and just, you know, because I'd been a mentor or a trainer in the in the projects, it was I was able to see some of the feedback from some of the mentors. So it was a tricky process. I wasn't sure I could do it. Didn't know if I had enough time because I'm a grandma and I babysit. And I felt like I was still weak somewhat in my Civil War history. But I did some reading. I did some more reading. I went through the binder. And just, I started with something easy, just like reformatting one of the simulations. Maybe it was um, the Appomattox Courthouse. Wanted to put it more like in a play or a script kind of a thing. So I started with something simple. And then I started looking at some other things. It's like, well, let's do this here. Let's do this here. And so I was bringing in, I added some more resources. I wanted to go through the Battle Cry of Freedom and put page notes on there, page numbers, like go to this section. I know there's an index in the book, but let's just make it a little bit easier. I wanted to give some more information because some of these mentors that come in have only been experienced public school. They're brand new, you know, like me when I was in Key of Liberty, and they just need a little bit fleshed out some things and give them some ideas, give them some reminders. So I wanted to add in some of the things about mentoring and how just have some, some mentoring helps in there, you know, and how to focus on each lecture and maybe pull out something from each lecture, not just give, sometimes you might want to just give history and that's fine if that's your point, if that's what you want to, you know, the point you want to get across, but sometimes you want to stress, you know, um, how they overcame different things or you know the soldier's life sometimes was really boring so what would you do when things got boring <laughs> you know you you can drill so much and the, the fight's not ready yet and you know we were trying to bring out different lessons and different things like that and then one of the other mentors I was talking about was she's into music and stuff and she was talking about how she had brought or brought in more music and then I thought well let's divide it out well she had divided it out northern 
songs, Southern songs, maybe for the everybody and some slave songs. That was really, really fun to go and look at the history of some of these songs and include some of those. So I was mainly just kind of fleshing it out a little bit more <coughs> and just helping the mentors have some additional resources and additional thinking to go into their lectures and into the whole class. So that was kind of the biggest thing that I think I did. Oh yeah, I really love how you restructured the weeks to have a no-field do and really help the mentors nail on focus on those no-field do's because it's something that we teach at Lemmy, but to have it in like a structure or form, I feel like is it's been really effective because it's something I, I naturally will just start doing. But if you're if if you're not been trained to do that, then it's it's helpful just to have that that format. So you like you learn and you turn to your lecture week and like, oh, OK, what's my no field do? And then I just also love at the end how you put, you know, like, OK, so what is the today's key principle underlining and connecting principle applications? So it's just a great structure that hopefully we'll be able to implement into our other projects and as we update them. And there's so many more amazing resources than when we first created this, because I mean, I created sort of freedom when I was 16. So that was a while ago and um, the internet wasn't what it is today. You know? Yes. It is totally, yeah, totally different world with the technology now. So, so much. Yeah. Cause like when I that. created it, it was like, I was like, okay, hey, like, what's a book we could give them to read? And it's like the only, the shortest book that I could find that was all the Civil War was Battle Cry of Freedom. The other options were like Shelby Foote's 10 volume and like oh, wow. other things that were like, just like snippets of the battles or, you know, like it's all just like, you know, but now with I feel like there's a lot more resources than yes. there ever were, which is exciting, but also overwhelming. So I just really right. love how you created that structure for the mentors to start thinking of it differently and a holistic way of like, how's my whole class going to go? And, and then also giving them the responsibility to own the lecture, own the content and present what their students need. You know, like I, mm -hmm. I think sometimes you forget that at Lemmy. Yes, this is a project and yes, you need to teach it, but you need to teach it to the needs your students have not yes. just what I told you to teach. Right. Yep. Yeah. I love how they can make it their own. That's super, super important. They need to definitely own what they're learning and what they're teaching. Yeah. So like if I'm struggling with a class that doesn't very kind, maybe mm -hmm. I really emphasize Simon Legree. <laughs> you know, like maybe we kind of go there and be like, okay, so how do we want to be? Do we want to be Simon Legree? Or, you know, what's the French guy that owns the, the um, Ava's dad's name? St. Clair? Name. Can't remember. You know, what kind of kind of person do you want to be? And, and, you know, maybe I'll create a simulation on that, you know, but yes. really like focusing on my students and focusing on what I'm learning to help my students. Yep. And I think you did that wonderfully in the new manuals. Thank you. Yes, we are all extremely grateful. <laughs> well, it was fun to it was fun to work with a designer so she could make the manual look good too, and you know do some certain things to give you some margins to take notes in because that was one of the big things in any of the trainings is the manuals sometimes were so squished together with the writing that you couldn't you know put definitions in and you didn't have space to write you know your own personal notes. It's like oh this made me think of this. And I love how there's some journal, you know, journaling sides to these manuals now, which I think is going to be a big help. And there's pages, you know, the uh, 
each lecture is kind of like blank on the back so that you can put your own notes in after that lecture and you don't have to figure out which like you know which page this goes to because it's it's just easier to organize it yeah I love that I always put like uh page protectors and stuff stuff in and yeah nice yeah nice that's good cool. Well, we pretty much come to our hour mark. Um, I just have, what what's one piece of advice you could give to a Lemmy mentor who's just starting out? Hmm. You had anything? <laughs> I like to kind of share with my trainers that you're you're great right where you are. You know, you might not, you know, because I remember very well how kind of panicked I was in the beginning and how overwhelmed I was because I didn't know any American history and teaching Key of Liberty. So, and then to take all your experiences in, in your life. So you don't leave everything that you did in the past. Don't think you have to leave it behind, but you can bring some of that in. So I had one of the, one of the mentors, you know, was, I think he was an army guy or something like that. And so he was very, very strong in certain areas when we were going through training and stuff like that. It's like, bring that in, bring that into your class. You know, I've got moms who've gone through other things and it's like, bring some of that in. It's okay to bring that in, you know, bring in who you are, stay who you are, let them see who you are. I know we call that being authentic and stuff, but definitely be who you are and just, you know, stay one page ahead. If that's all you can do, stay one page ahead. <laughs> that will be enough and be enthusiastic. If you're enthusiastic about what you're learning, then everyone else will be too. So those are kind of the I guess almost like three things that I would suggest a new mentor do. That's awesome. And I know that you have continued with uh, leadership being a theme in your life. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes. We have partnered with an organization. It's called the Life Platform. And they started out as a leadership organization way back in 2011. But a lot of people are not ready for leadership. <laughs> you know, they don't know that they need it or they think they're doing fine and stuff like that. So we read a book a month with this leadership organization. It's also called The Life Platform now. But we read books like Launching the Leadership Revolution, which is an awesome book. We read books like Resolve, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. We've just been reading Grit. We've start, we're starting The Atomic Habits. So these are, leadership is so needed today. And I love that. I had leadership education, I like to say growing up, because <laughs> I was still growing up even in my 40s and 50s, right? Um, and so I love being able to read these books to better myself, and we're all going to be leaders. We're leaders in our home. We're often leaders at some point in our community, or if we belong to a church organization, we have other activities that we're involved in, and we need to be good leaders and so I love growing my leadership abilities and trying to lead other people and help encourage them and then at some point it will grow throughout you know our communities and our world so we know we need leaders of high character leaders who have public and private virtue and understand these things so I'm super excited to still be in the leadership realm that's awesome. And we'll be sure and, and put a link in our show notes um, so that people can find out more information from you. Okay. So, yeah. That'd be great. Well, Diana, thank you so much for sharing everything today. And I'm just very grateful for all you do for Lemmy. Well, thank you. It's been fun to be here. I appreciate you two ladies a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired. 
but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.